across this room thank him right now for the atmosphere that he's in. Jesus. Lord, I don't want to waste a moment if you're not in it, God. I'm not interested in ritual or just singing a song. But God, I'm interested when you come down from glory and you touch us here. And God, that you manifest your presence and your power. God, that's a move. It's not something that is orchestrated. It is not something that we create on our own. But this is a genuine move of God. Hallelujah. We're so grateful, God, for what you are doing in this house and what you will do for a move of you. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can make your way back to your seats for every guest that is here. We are so thankful that you are here this morning, First Church. Why don't we give our just our guests another hand just for taking the time to be with us. We are excited for you being here. And uh, if you are a guest, our senior pastor and first lady, Harold and Renee Hoffman, are on vacation, much needed. We have an incredible, incredible pastor and his wife, and we are so thankful. And if you're watching live, we love you guys. We are excited that you're taking a break, but hurry back home because we love you, and it is an honor to serve here at this place. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Michael Neto, and I have the privilege and the honor to serve as the executive pastor here. And it is really an honor. It's been 13 years since my wife and I have moved to this state, and uh, couldn't be another place for me to raise my family than this church. So I give honor to our pastor and his wife and the teams here. And, and uh, incredible, incredible place. Incredible place. I'm going to draw a passage, two passages we'll have for our reading. They'll be on the screen behind me or you can look in your Bibles. The first one is Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And the second passage I'll read is Acts 27 through 9. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named uh, Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep, and as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. I will promise you this, I will not preach so long that you will fall asleep on me. Uh, but this story, just as a quick recap, is uh, here Paul had been traveling for several days and he landed uh, in the city of Troas. Just He was there for 10 days, located by Laodicea, and he was there for seven days, and he began to preach on one of the last days he was there and just had a service where all the believers gathered. And this boy had fallen asleep and fallen three stories to his death. Uh, but Paul did make his way down to him and prayed him back to life. So over the next little bit, just the next few minutes, I would like to speak on the subject. Now is not the time. Now is not the time. Lord, We've given you the first half of this service. We've worshiped. We've connected with you. You have come to this place. God manifested your power and your presence in such a special way. And so, Lord, however difficult this subject can be to navigate, God, I hide myself under your anointing, your cross. For, God, we need a move 
on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. We need a move of you in our lives, God, that is bigger than our Sunday experience. And so, God, as we receive your word, we're asking, Lord, that we would act on your word and that there will be a move that will happen, that will shift in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It's been maybe eight weeks, nine weeks ago. We had uh, we just encountered New Year's Eve. We broke into 2020, and uh, something rare happened in our house. It was in my brother's house. This is it has not happened since I was a child. Uh, my dad stayed awake the whole time. He was awake up until 12:15, and then he went home. <laughs> But I'll tell you, I can remember memories of, of going back to uh, when I first had left the house and attended seminary in Indianapolis, Indiana Bible College. And I remember calling my dad New Year's Eve, and there was no answer. There was no answer with my mom either. Called my brother, and he was awake with his, uh, with his family and, and uh, with Laura. And it was just, uh, they were sleeping and couldn't stay awake. And so I thought it was a historical moment when I was able to spend New Year's with my parent, with my dad, awake. It was an exciting time. But usually we can see when my dad's ready to go to sleep, you get the old nod. You know, you're, you're there and, and uh, you start to see the, you know, it's for a brief second. Then they kind of, you know, the, the nod wakes you up, right? Um, some of you all know what that's like. I, I see you on the front row sometimes nodding real quick. It's okay. We're praying for you. But, uh, you know, you, you get the nod and it's embarrassing and you wake up and your eyes are burning and you just try to stay engaged a little bit longer and, and uh, you, you just try to stay awake. But eventually the nod can overtake you. The, the nod that you thought was only one or two seconds is now 10 seconds, then 15 seconds, and then you're asleep. I remember one time, as I stated earlier, I went to seminary in Indianapolis and at that school you attended, you, you, would, uh, you partnered with... Calvary Tabernacle, which was the, the founder of that school. They oversee that school. And you would sit the team, the, the, all, the, all the students would sit on the left. And we'd have several rows. It's a rather large college for seminary. And, and we would sit there. And I remember one time the nod happens. I was like, oh, Jesus. I, I kept falling asleep. And it was a long, it was just, I was just falling asleep. And um, I remember what I thought was a simple nod turned into a nap until... I don't even remember who was on the right side of me, but until the person on the right side of me nudged me, and it shocked me that I literally came out of the seat, and I, and I had a Bible in my lap. I threw the Bible. So what was an innocent nap was an embarrassing moment because I was literally asleep front. No, I was probably a few rows back, and when they nudged me to wake up, I just threw the Bible in the air, and everybody, I mean, it paused the service for a brief second. Like, the, he just like, what happened? There's a Bible that was flying. I, I just had fallen asleep. I was, it was awful. That nod was the longest, hardest nod I have ever experienced in my life. And so that nod got me. And oftentimes we, we get tired and we fall asleep. And, and there are several stages to falling asleep. But there are two primary steps to falling asleep. And one of them is your heartbeat begins to slow down, and your breathing slows down, eye movement slows down, your muscles begin to relax, and your brain begins to slow down. Those are the several few minutes that you begin to rest before you're going into a deep sleep. All that stuff just starts to slow down. 
And I believe Eutychus found himself in a place like that. The Bible doesn't give us the whole story, but I do know he was a boy. And so as a boy, I'm sure he didn't show up to church on his own. And so here Eutychus is in a service and uh, possibly started maybe sitting on the front row, second row, midway. We're not sure. But we do know that somewhere in that service, Eutychus made his way to the back of the room. Could have been a bathroom break. Maybe he went out to the bathroom and came back in and decided he wasn't going to try to find a seat in the middle. It, it baffles my mind how we can sit through an Avengers movie for three hours and can't make it to a service without going potty. At least that's what a friend told me once. I don't know if that's true. But it's interesting to see that, you know, here Eutychus makes his way to the right. We don't know what happened. All we know is that this boy made his way to the back of the church and where he had uh, kind of maybe held up the wall a little bit and sat down there. He was still in the house, still in service, but he had relocated himself to the back. Then stage two is a period of light sleep before you enter a deep sleep. That's where your muscles relax even further. Uh, your, 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 eye, your eyes close even longer. You're not waking. You're not just jostling around. You're, you're falling into a deeper sleep. And one of the bigger things other than the heart rate slowing down even more and just being more relaxed is that your body temperature starts to cool down even further. Your body temperature chains, changes and brain wave activity slow down. And it's marked sometimes by rapid electrical impulses, movements. Uh, so you'll see that begin to happen. But... Um, you're neither hot or cold. You're kind of in that stage of getting into deep sleep and your body temperature starts to decrease. And I'm reminded that we can get to a place where we can either be not either hot or cold. And the Bible talks about being lukewarm. And, uh, and to think that maybe if, if uh, you know, hot or cold is bad and we're lukewarm, I could take it a next step further and say that you're neither or, you're just lukewarm. You're just there. And it can look like on Sunday when you're on fire, things are doing great. But during the rest of the week, what does it look like for you? What are we really doing the rest of the week? Is it maybe we come into a place where we're here and we put our favorite dress, the most modest clothes that we own. We put our suit and ties. We put our plastic smiles on sometimes. And we'll just get ready for service and get the right words out. We drive those out every Sunday. And it looks good and everything is going well. But what does Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday through the week look like? Is it that we just show up to a pride and shine where we just want to invest in the community once a year? Could it be that just maybe we'll come to a rally or maybe an occasional Monday night prayer? But either or, we're in between. We're not fulfilling every day Christ-like behavior. And it can be that you come to a place where you no longer see the why behind your walk. You now see the obligation behind your walk. Now, instead of being gifted with what God has given you and serving the kingdom, now you are just serving your gifting because that is what you're known for. And so you feel an obligation to participate and show up and check the box that I've been in church, that I was there, I gave my two hours, I think I'm doing fine. It becomes a place like this boy that made himself to the back of the church that maybe at first we started off somewhere up front and involved and engaged and then eventually with time we started headed towards the back getting disconnected feeling that we weren't really connected but somehow this boy made his way back to the wall of the church by a window Matthew 26 37 through 40 says and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy 
Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O O my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he come unto his disciples, and findeth them asleep, and said unto Peter, Why could you not even watch with me one hour? Here Peter, James, and John are with Jesus. Jesus called them further into the garden to pray with him, and yet they fell asleep. I thought, how odd is that? You're with the master, and you fell asleep. Could it be, could it be that maybe the relationship that they had with Jesus had become so casual that they did not notice that they had been with Jesus, and he was calling them deeper into prayer, and yet because they were so casual of their relationship with Jesus Christ that they fell asleep on him could it be that Eutychus thought I've been in this building for so long been hearing this preacher for so long maybe I'll just go to the back and disengage for a minute because I've been there becomes so easy for us to become so casual in our walk with God in our relationship with him whatever stage you're in that it becomes easy at one point for us to say well I, I, I was with Jesus yesterday I was with him earlier this week. Do I I really need to go to prayer again? Do do I really need to engage in my daily reading again? Do I really need to, to show somebody else this amazing God that I call my Savior? Do I really need to do that? Because we can become so casual and the familiar kind of gives us this facade like it's okay because I'm still hanging around the right people. I still show up every Sunday. But what does it look like? Am I lukewarm? Have I drifted? From the front of the room to the middle of the room, now to the back of the room. Where am I spiritually? Luke 21, 34 says, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. It's amazing to me when you talk to somebody and you ask them how they're doing and what they do for a living. It's amazing how many people hate their jobs. They hate what they do for a living. It's mundane. It's routine. They've done it for years. And it became a trap because somewhere along the line, they created this snowball of debt or they created a lifestyle that they wanted to live. And now they're in a position to where they have to do the thing that they hate doing because it's secure. They know that check's going to come in every week. It becomes a trap. And the very things we prayed for one time for these kids, for God to bless us with children, bless us with the home so we could have our own office to pray. All these things we prayed for now are the very things that we have to dump all these hours into working for someone else to pay for the blessings that we asked for. But we become so casual with our walk, so casual. And he says, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and stand before the Son of Man. The church needs to wake out of its slumber. The church really needs to understand the position they have today in our culture. The church needs to understand we have an answer that is in our hands, and now is not the time to fall asleep. We hardly ever talk about heaven and hell. We don't hear about those messages very often. Church has become a place of affirmation and unpacking blessings, and there is a place for that. There is a place for your faithfulness. There is a place to hear from the word of God, to strengthen us. But we cannot avoid why this journey began for us at some point. The realization that we needed a savior. It was the realization that we needed a God to reach us where we were and to pull us out of that. 
And so long, when we were younger, I mean, we heard about hell all the time. They literally preached the hell out of you. They did. We heard it all the time. And I'll tell you what, we, we actually, going through this, I started remembering a movie. I'm going to date myself, so some of y'all might know what I'm talking about. But in the 80s, we had a movie called uh, A Thief in the Night. It was terrible. It, we, in matter of fact, I was so on this nostalgia kick, I made my wife and my kids watch it with me last night. I'm talking, when they're going through the movie, it's like one of the, one of the actors would say something, and there was like a seven-second pause between the next actor answering the question. It felt like eternity, and I'm like looking at my kids' faces, trying to see how they're gauging the terrible theatrics, and the gap, it was awful. But I'll tell you what, when we seen that movie and there was a series on it, man, we were all at the altar praying. We all realized that one day we will have to answer before our father. We would have to answer before God saying, hey, there's two choices, either well done or depart. I never knew you. And it, as a child, that fear would grip us and we would find ourselves at an altar. Proverbs 1 says that uh, 1 7 says, fear is the beginning of, understand, of knowledge. So it's okay to be afraid as long as you're not parked there very long. It's okay to go from fear to faith, but it starts somewhere. And so I never discount the messages of understanding the eternal implications of what we do here on earth. Nothing is as important as eternity, yet we fail to have urgency in the temporary. We're so quick to build our earthly kingdom here that oftentimes we are so relaxed at building, uh, building our, our heavenly kingdom. We take our time. We're relaxed about that. Hell is to be feared if there is no alternative. There is a place to be deathly afraid of hell if you don't know that there is another alternative. Listen, when I go to the zoo, I'm not afraid of the lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. Not afraid. Because why? I'm on the right side of the fence. I don't have to worry about those dudes. I'm on the right side of the fence. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid of sinking when I'm swimming because why? I learned how to swim. Last year, we had a, a, some kids over at our house. We have a little lake behind us, and they were swimming. And in the middle of our lake, there's a platform. And the, the kids would take the paddle boat out to the platform. They would jump off and play on the platform and try to get back on the paddle boat. One of the kids failed at the timing and fell in the water. And mind you, everyone has uh, the uh, safety vests on, right? Lifeguard vests. So the kids got his vest on, and he's holding on to the platform, screaming, screaming. And I'm sitting at the patio, and I'm looking at it. The crazy part is, on the platform, there's a, there's a ladder that goes into the water two feet away from him. Ah! He's just screaming. Now I'm like, bro, there's a ladder. To, go, go to the ladder. Ah! He's just screaming. Now my neighbors are coming out. So now I'm like, I'm that, you know, with the new people in the neighborhood. So I'm like, oh, boy. Neighbors are coming out, go to the ladder. This is my labor to go to the ladder. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So we're all screaming, go to the ladder. But the fear was so real that he sat there, not in danger at all, but sat there screaming. The ladder's two feet away. So I get out to get on my little kayak. I paddle out to him. I chuck him on top of the platform so he can get back. The fear was so real, but he failed to see that the safety net was right on the side of him. There was an answer for his fear. The fear of drowning was so real but couldn't see it. You don't have to be afraid of eternity if you know that there is an other alternative than hell. That you know that there is a heaven. You have a choice on where you land. 
So Jesus said in John 3, 3 through 5, Verily I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. The answer is simple. If you are born of the water and of the Spirit, you don't have to go to hell. You don't have to be away from Jesus. You can start your journey right now by just following what the master said. Be born of water and of spirit. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So what is the name of the Father? What is the name of the Son? And what is the name of the Holy Ghost? It's Jesus. That's why in John 5, uh, 543, it says, I am come in my Father's name. I am come in my Father's name. John 14, 13 says, anything you ask for me, I will do it, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. The name is Jesus. And if you go just a few verses south to verse 26 out of the same chapter, he said, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. The name is Jesus. It's simple. So when Jesus is saying, hey, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptize them in the name of Jesus. It's that easy. We complicate it. But the answer to our fear is Jesus. That's all we need is the name of Jesus applied over our lives. We get so hung up on that. Matter of fact, I, have, is, I believe we have a couple of, is, all right, you're, uh, Sister Gibbs, why don't you come up here? I, I need your help. Where's my brother, Steve Netto? He's patrolling. He's patrolling. Can I, get, get on up here. I want you to know this is my favorite brother, my older brother, and um, you, you both can come up here. He had a birthday yesterday, so why don't we give him, yes. I love this guy. And so Jessica is a banker, so I thought, because I'm terrible at doing cards and stuff, so I figured I'm just going to give my brother some money, because at the end of the day, nobody wants to card. Unless you're like me and you're sentimental, people want money. But I, I have not written checks in months. Like, I just don't write checks. Everything's online. I tithe online. I do everything online. And so I figured, you know what, I'm going to write my brother a check. But since it's been a long time, I'm going to ask our banker. She's in my life group. Join a life group. Great information. And so I just want to make sure, did I write this check Okay, for my brother to, it's his birthday. Is it fine? Are we good? No. Well, why not? Because you didn't sign it. If I, I did. No, you did not. But that's my signature. You put your title, oh. which is dad. Hi, dad. This is garbage. See, this is why you buy bulk checks. So then I just want to make sure. I did a few things. Like, I don't want to mess this up. All right, so finally, bro, I said, I'm going to get it right. I didn't change the amount every time, okay? Thank but is, is it good? No, unfortunately, we're not able to honor this check. Why not? Because it says, honorado's son. But I am. That's my dad. Like, that's not okay? But you're, you're missing your signature. This is the worst ever. All this paper, it's at least a leaf. This is good. This is good. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're going to have to take it another try. It says... Your brother. My brother. It's my brother. That doesn't, why doesn't that, it says your brother. All right, if this doesn't work, you get nothing. You get a shout out. You get nothing. Well, I think I have to do a signature analysis, but I think this is good. So this one's good. So hey, I got a signature on this, so we're good. Happy birthday, bro. Thank you so much, guys. 
So I guess the easy way to explain it, listen, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are all offices that Jesus holds. The power is in the name of Jesus Christ. The power is in his name. If it wasn't for the shedding of blood, there would be no remission of sins. But because you apply the blood of the name, you apply that name under baptism, all of your sins are washed away. Everything has become brand new. That's why you hear in Exodus 3:14, God tells Moses, I am that I am. And here Jesus then goes on in John 8 and 58. He's talking to the Pharisees. And here Jesus tells the Pharisees when they ask him, who are you? They weren't trying to crucify Jesus because of his miracles, his good stories, his messages. They were trying to crucify Jesus because he said he was God. And when they asked him, who do you say you are? Jesus said, I am. He affirmed what happened in the Old Testament in the New Testament. That's when the Pharisees said, hey, that's him blaspheming he is God will crucify him that is the scripture telling us time and again that Jesus Christ is the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved I don't have to be afraid of hell if I'm prepared for heaven I don't have to have fear but listen we are commanded to go out and reach we are commanded see as the church we can't afford luxuries that we have right now See, I could come into this place, and I'll be transparent with you. I understand what it's like to be bankrupt. I understand what it's like to go through a miscarriage. I understand what it's like through financial crisis. I understand what it's like at working at my marriage, trying to raise a teenager, having to understand and bury my mom and go through emotional waves of different things that had come through. I know what that's like, but I'm here to tell you something. Had it not been for Jesus Christ in the body in this house, I would have never made it through those tough times. Had it not been the healing power of his name and that there were some people in his house that were willing to text me and love me and pray for me, I would have never been able to make it through those difficult times. But I'm telling you what, we cannot afford to sit on our seats and say, hey, let somebody else take care of them. The world, this church, this city needs you. Hallelujah. Oh, why don't we worship him right now and be thankful for the body of Christ. Week after week, we come in. Week after week, we come in. And the very thing that attracts us to these altars, the very thing that brings us here, say, my marriage needs help. My finances need help. I need healing in my body. The very comfort that we can find around these altars, there are people outside of these doors that have no idea what that's like. There are people that have to face their, their worst nightmare by themselves because they don't know this God that we serve. They don't know that there's a, a people on, on DeQuinder Road that have the answer for what they're looking for. And so they battle anxiety. They battle depression. They battle their worst demons on their own. We cannot afford to sit on the grace of God and what we have in our hands here. Sterling Heights is the fourth largest city in Michigan. Population of 132,964. We're only 800 shy of becoming the third largest city in Michigan. The average age is 40. 27% of residents in Sterling Heights are foreign born. 33% speak another language outside the English language. 90.6% of every household in Sterling Heights is streaming live data every day from their home. 50%, 55% are married. Nearly 9% are divorced. 30% are 
have never been married. We are responsible to reach a city that is growing at an average of 18% per year, a strong family background. Ages between 20 and 34, there are nearly 40% married. Ages between 35 and 40 are 70% married. Remember, the average age in our city is 40 years old. This is why First Church is a family church. We are to reach the 70% of them that are out there. And I'll tell you, when you reach the 70 that are out there, the singles will come with them because they're connected to them. We are a family church, and this is why when Pastor Draylon and his team gets up here, we sing contemporary songs maybe you don't like. Guess what? We want to attract those because that's what they're hearing on their stations right now in media right now. We want to make sure when our guests come in that they can hear something that's familiar, that they can hear on their drive home, and they feel that they can sing and worship with us and not feel so out of sync with us. This is why we do what we do. This is why we have lighting and background. I don't need any of this to worship because my, prayer, my worship isn't predicated upon any of this stuff that we have. But I will tell you something. It's hard for somebody to come in those doors that maybe never had an encounter with God and understand what's going on. But if we can give them just a moment where they can let down their guard and they can open up their heart and Jesus can come in and begin to deal with them, whether it's through song or word, that's what we're after. It's not just about us, the church. It is about them that are out there. It's about all people. We're not forgetting who's church here. We're not forgetting about each other. But listen, we got to find ways that we can get those 70% that are out in those doors and get them in the house and have a relationship and build on them. I want to thank right now every parking lot team that allows our guests to come in and feel safe. I want to thank every greeter that's in those doors with your handshakes that are out there and you're putting a smile on your face. Sister Sexton, when you're out there and you're greeting and you're partnering with our young students, it shows the picture of our church. There are families, there are elders partnering with students. I want to thank them. I want to thank the production team for everything they do to take the detail out of the service so we can focus on him. I want to thank the worship team for all the work they do in the hours of practice that they put in there so we can have something that's relevant that we can worship that is spirit filled. I want to thank everybody that is in the nursery and the Sunday school department because if we're not watching those babies it would be chaos in here but they go to work every single Sunday working to make sure we have an environment that somebody can come into and feel the presence of God. I want to thank every student pastor for what they do with our students. Did you not see that we had Josh on the drums this morning? He is a teenager that should have been lost in a statistic but he is up here drumming. My son behind a we are building a multicultural, multi-generational church in the city of Sterling Heights. I refuse to bow to one demographic. I refuse to just cater to one person, one race, one nationality. But we are a body of Christ and a family. Our job is to compel them compel them from the feast, and to disciple them. Revelations 21, 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard it with a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
and he will dwell with them and he will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death shall be no more. Neither shall be their mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away and he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. This isn't a God that just wants to put your marriage together. He wants to make it brand new. This isn't a God that wants to take your anxiety away and give you some kind of uh, little band-aid to make you. This is a God that wants to pull things out of your life and give you peace. His peace passeth all understanding. It doesn't just make sense. It passes what makes sense. You shouldn't be here excited and worshiping him when the devil has thrown his best tactics at you, but yet here you are with the peace of God that is over your life. So when you ask me, this is not, this is a no-brainer. Am I trading these earthly things? Listen, I understand. The Bible even tells us that sin is fun for a season, but the end thereof is destruction. So it might sound good with what we play with sometimes, but I'm here to tell you as a church, we cannot fall asleep. We cannot play with the things that desensitize us and take us away from our first love, our passion. Remember, when somebody first, they start off here at the front row when they're on fire for God, and then what happens as time goes by and there's no accountability and then they're gone and there still sits a world i'm not trying to say hell is is the number one thing we're going to talk about here but i am trying to tell you something listen if you're talking about in scripture the gnashing of teeth that it's dark mostly i've got a very close friend that's a firefighter and a lot of people don't just die from flames most of them die because of the inhalation of the smoke the toxicities of the things that are, the building materials are what kill them. So you don't have to die with fire, you can die with smoke. The things you center yourself around with, the toxic relationships, the toxic things you do at work, the toxic things we look at when nobody's watching us, those are the very things that caught on fire and those are the things that can choke you out and take the very oxygen, the breath of his lungs out of you and you can die just from the inhalation of the smoke of the things we surround ourselves with. But I'm sure glad that there is a God that said, hey, you don't have to fear hell. I'm here to tell you I died on the cross for you. I love you. And there's a world that needs me. I have given you a directive. Listen, in Matthew 28, 19, this is what he said. Go ye therefore. He gave us a direct command and an indirect command. The direct command says, go ye therefore and teach. Teach what? Baptizing them in the name of Jesus. We are commissioned to go reach our world. It's not good enough that we sit here and it's not good enough that we can partake of what God is doing. God is calling us deeper. God is saying, hey, Peter, James, and John, come with me a little bit deeper. When you talk about going to two services, is it going to require more? Yes. But where would you be without Jesus? Where would you be if nobody or if somebody didn't come out to you and talk to you and prayed for you and loved you and took care of you? How can we deny our own city the very thing that has brought us into this house? Now I'm closing. If I could have the music team come up. Now is not the time to fall asleep. Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Not to use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. It's so important that you listen to this boy. This boy not only found himself to the back wall where he thought he would be safe. This boy didn't just find himself and maybe just kind of slid down the wall and sat there. He ended up finding a window. And the Bible says that he was in the window. 
Hey, he would have been safe had he just sat in the building. But this boy took himself to the window and sat in the window. What does that tell you? He became disconnected because he was so concerned with what was going on outside than what was going on inside. And because this boy was no longer engaged fully inside and floating between two different worlds, he was no longer accountable to what was going on inside. Don't put yourself in a position to where you find yourself in a window because you felt so comfortable of what was going on and the expectation of what you thought is in the house of God that you find yourself sitting in a window. Now you're looking, where am I more content? Let me just see what's going on out here. But let me stay connected to the church a little bit. And we play the game when there are people that are walking those streets, looking at that window saying, hey, what's going on in there? Instead of why is that boy looking to leave? Why is he out there looking out at us? There's nothing out here for them. But yet, he sat in a window. The dangers of falling asleep, lying in a bed, because we're comfortable. And when God is calling us into the field, we'd rather lay in bed and hit the snooze button just a little bit longer. And I'm challenging us today. I want us to stand. Romans 13, 11 says, and that knowing the time, that now is a high time to wake out of sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Now it's high time to wake up. Now's not the time to fall asleep. Can you imagine what it would be like if you make it to the throne of grace and we're sitting in front of him? The Bible says that all of us will make it one day in front of him. What would it look like if your mom, maybe it's your father, somebody in your family said, heard the words, depart, I never knew you. And they looked at you and said, why didn't you tell me? Why did I never hear of this? How is it that I'm going and you're not going? What happens? And you have to look your child, you have to look your parents, you have to look some, a loved one in the face and tell them, I'm sorry, I just never found the time. I never thought it was convenient. It was too awkward and too weird for me. I'm sorry, I didn't want to tell you about this. And people make their way to a burning hell because we never talked about it. We were never wanting to be so uncomfortable with it. When the decision is so easy, it's a conversation, it's living your lifestyle, it's putting it in front of them every day. You don't even have to say, let your lifestyle be the words that you might not have at the moment because there is a word. Average of 40 years old out in that city are looking for the answers that you have here. But I challenge us, the very freedom that you have the love that you can feel in here. I'm so thankful for a pastor that preaches the word every single Sunday that he says he pulls from this pulpit. He's pulling from a pit up to here and it takes all of us to do that. It's not just up to the pastor. It's not just up to the team or, or, the, or the executive. It's on every one of us. The commission was to every single person in this room. Go ye therefore, disciple somebody, live this thing out. Don't be ashamed of who you are. He was never ashamed of us on the cross, knowing every insecurity, every fear, and every failure we would go through, but yet there he was. And maybe I'm talking to somebody this morning that you might feel like, hey, you know what? There's some things in my life I'm hiding. There's some things, God sees everything, but you know what? It's time to get out of that window ledge. It's time to kind of walk out of that window. I don't want to fall. I don't want to come to a place where I am so desensitized that I could fall asleep to my death. 
that could plummet to this. I don't want to do that. I want to take the next step in my closest walk with God. Or maybe there's somebody that you have been working with at work or that you see or that's in your family and that you know they need help, but you just haven't taken that step yet. I'm asking you, let's pray the prayer of faith today. Let's recommit our lives to Christ. Why don't we all come up here and I want us all to pray together and realize that there is a deeper calling. I don't want to be so casual with my walk with God to where I can go into the depths of prayer and then somewhere get disconnected like Peter, James, and John and end up just falling asleep on Jesus Christ. Oh, God, help us, Lord. I'm asking that there would be something inside of us that wouldn't be so comfortable with where we are. But, God, there is a city that is looking for the answers that we have, the very freedom that I feel in this house when I come into this house, God, the very freedoms that I have, Lord. They don't have that. They don't understand that. And so, God, I'm asking that we would be clean before you. I'm asking, God, that you would revive something inside of me that happened maybe it's been 5, 10, 15 years ago to understand that I'm not out of gas. It's not that I'm not worth anything anymore. But, God, I refuse to sit sidelined. Lord, as we grow to two services to reach this city, this isn't just about us, God, but this is about a soul that is out there that is searching, that has no idea, God, that is struggling. And Lord, I don't want them to ever make it to your throne and to be able to say, I never knew this, why not? Why wasn't that church any more vocal? Why didn't anybody ever come to my door? Why wasn't anybody inviting me? What was so wrong with me? But God, give us a passion. Give us a passion for your word. Give us a passion to reach others, Lord. Oh, come on, church, I'm asking you, search your heart, find where you are, be honest with yourself, and say, have I been so long that i become so relaxed in my walk with him? Or maybe you're here and it's your first time, and you're here and listen, it's that easy for me to come into the kingdom. I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized. And so we'll pray a prayer of repentance. As it was said in Acts chapter 2, when they asked Paul and said, how shall we be saved? Paul said, then he said, repent and be baptized. Everyone in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And so, Lord, we come before you. We're human. We have so many qualities, God, that fail. So many issues that we try to hide. And, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Wash me with your blood. Blood. I never did it intentionally. Maybe there were some intentional things that I did, God. Oh, I'm asking that you would forgive me. Make me whole again. Make me clean again, God. Wash me, Lord. And if you're in this house and you want to get baptized, you come right to the front here. We've got water and, and clothes that will change. But I'm telling you, heaven is so easy to get to if we just quit worrying about the other stuff and just say, I'm going to follow after the word of God. I'm going to listen to what he has. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. Jesus. Lord, wash your son in this house with your spirit, God. Help us to be so pure and honest with ourselves to where we are because, God, there is a world that needs me. There's a group of people that look to us. God, I don't want it to ever be said when I get up there, depart from me. I never knew you. But, God, we did all these things in your name. And yet he's saying you never did it for the right reason. You never had a relationship with me. You just checked the box week after week. Oh, God, why don't we just let's sing and just pray right now and let there be an atmosphere that we can just fall before his face and just ask him to wash us.
prayed for. This is your moment to touch the throne of God. If you need financial healing, marital healing, if there's something in your life that you came here looking for, I want you to know that you are in the right place. This very God doesn't want to just save you. He wants to give you an abundant life. He wants to make all things new again for you. He doesn't want you to just have to live in that, in that, that state of mind where it's anxiety and depression and battle after battle. He's saying, listen, if you bring it to me, I will take it. I will trade your ashes for beauty. The dreams you once had that were broken up and burnt up. He's willing to take those broken pieces, those ashes, and say, hey, I'm going to give you something beautiful, something so much greater than you could ever imagine. And so let's pray on the behalf of those, and let's charge this room with faith, because I want you to know that everyone in this room struggles with something in the night. Don't be confused by the tie or the dress. Don't be confused by the facade that we put on. We all need a touch of Jesus.